0: Welcome to The Real Talk. I'm Raquel Ramirez, your host and real estate professional here to bring you insightful conversations, expert advice, and powerful stories about what really goes on in life, love, divorce, and real estate. Are you ready? Let's get real. Hey guys, welcome to this episode of The Real Talk. How are you doing?
1: Doing, We're great. We're doing great.
0: We're doing well I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. On this episode today, we have Umberto Garay, who is the owner of Credit Right, and his partner, President Giovanni Delama, right? I got that right. Correct. Uh, so everybody knows they operate credit rights services. And you may or may not have seen them on Instagram, but I'm, I'm they're constantly putting out really fantastic content. You can find them on TikTok under Credit Right. Instagram under credit underscore right and you can find them on Facebook under their company name which is credit right services and uh, they are credit uh, certified credit specialists actually I believe you've been in business since 2016 is that correct
2: yes yeah, so we were in business in 2016 but we've opened up credit right in 2018 we were with another company
0: oh okay cool so tell me a little bit about your journey then so that people can get acquainted with you know what you do when you started why you started and then we can just you, you know, just naturally migrate into the cre- the topic of credit?
2: Yeah. So basically uh, the reason that I started was because I used to work like a regular nine to five job. I used to work with Medicare and oh. you know, I kept looking at, you know, my life. Right. And it was like, man, you know, I keep doing the same thing over and over and over <laughs> again. And then I would look to the side and then I would see that the person next to me has been working there for like 15 or 20 years. And I noticed that, you know, his raise was like five bucks. It was crazy. (laughs) So then, you know, I was like, man, you know, what is it that I can do different? And then, you know, one day I was in the break room, you know, just like, man, I was like, wow, what do I do? And the idea just came out of nowhere with one of my coworkers. And that's basically how I got into uh, the business. I just started doing my research and that's basically it. That's how I got into it.
0: That's great. Well, you chose a, a very uh, important, I guess, uh, if you will, a very important business. Credit is everything. I know a lot of people talk about that. You really can't get anywhere without credit. Even if you had a million dollars, you'd stash it under your bed. You really can't do anything without proving to someone else that you are responsible enough to pay your bills. So it's one of those things that uh, prevents us from either purchasing or renting. A lot of people don't realize that when you are going to rent a property, you do have to provide a credit report. And that credit report should speak volumes of you as, as a tenant, how trustworthy, responsible, how creditworthy you are. So credit is one of those things that, that follows you basically anywhere you go, whether it's to buy a house, rent a car, I'm sorry, rent a place, buy a car, lease a car, uh, for all kinds of things. And I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later. But um, yeah, that's actually a really a particularly an important part of what we do and, and how we get around. So Um, let's get into it. Tell me, tell me a little bit about credit, right. And the kind of services that you offer.
2: Uh, so basically, uh, you know, we're a credit restoration company, uh, you know, so credit repair is the process of fine tuning a client or a consumer's credit, uh, report or profile so they can qualify for the best rates on loans. So what we do in a nutshell is, um we basically challenge all inaccurate items on the credit report by sending out dispute letters to both the credit bureaus and the and the creditors right um we offer a free evaluation because not everybody you know needs credit repair a lot of people think hey i need credit repair you know but they might not need it you know right. they they might need to lower their credit card balances you know um a lot of people don't know that you know most of the time when it comes to like the credit score uh, the consumer is the only one who can control the credit score right um Very good point. You know, by using their credit card responsibly not running their credit as many times you know we get clients all the time you know that they call us when they're in macy's you know and they're like hey i'm in front of the cash register should i run my credit and i'm like no you know <laughs> don't do it you know so that's basically what we do in a nutshell
0: That's actually very important. I'm glad you brought that up just very early on in the conversation. There is a very big difference between repairing your credit and being irresponsible with your credit. So if you spend, 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 and you max your credit cards and you have 15, 20, 30 credit cards, and correct me if I'm wrong, of course, because this is not my, my field of expertise, but if you carry that amount of balances and you miss a payment here and there, there's no fixing that you know, by hiring somebody and, and pretending like you can actually make those things go away. The repair that you are talking about is identifying maybe incorrect information, uh, erroneous, um, you know, uh, what do you, what do you call it? Like flagging of the credit, or maybe they, they, a creditor put something on there that was incorrect or explain that a little bit so that people have a better idea of what that looks like.
2: Yeah. So believe it or not. Right. um, We've had clients where, you know, yes, you know, uh, they were late. Right. But then when the bureaus report on it. Right. They'll say Experian 30 days late on January. But then it says uh, uh, Equifax uh, 30 days late on February when they weren't late on February. They were late on January. Right. And then TransUnion would say another month just because of that error. We send out a dispute letter pointing that out. And by law, if they don't fix it, which nine times out of 10, they don't fix it, they have to remove it off of the credit report.
0: And that I'm assuming makes a big difference.
2: Absolutely. Right. I know that Giovanni, uh, my partner, um, you know, he gets a lot of clients that, you know, have these errors. Gio, if you could talk about a little bit about the errors that you see like on a daily basis.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, Well, I mean, the typical let's say derogatories, I mean, talking about late payments, repos, bankruptcies, child support, charge-offs, things of this nature. Um, you know, I get a lot of people, you know, telling me, hey, you know, I know this account belongs to me. I know it's mine. Like, I, I definitely owe that. You know, I know it's verifiable. And, you know, to be honest, in all actuality and in truth, a client doesn't have the capability of actually verifying that the account's 100% accurate and 100% verifiably theirs. Yeah. You know, all this stuff is humanly entered when we're removing things let's say uh let's say a negative child support something that was legally issued to the client that still doesn't mean that it's reporting accurately that there's no discrepancies amongst the bureaus so if the accounts not 100% accurate or 100% to yours and per law they have to remove it same thing when it comes to like balances most clients don't know why they owe an exact amount they can't tell me exactly what services were provided what taxes and fees were charged for them to owe that exact dollar amount yeah, it's true. So a lot of times when they're saying, yes, that's the that's the amount that I owe. Well, they're kind of lying to themselves. And the correct <laughs> thing would be, I'm, I don't recall owing that amount because <laughs> you can't prove that you owe that exact amount. Right. So these are things that I we, we try to, you know, guide them through and explain why it is that there's possibilities of removing anything that's derogatory, negative or inaccurate.
0: Interesting. Interesting. So, now you uh, not to not to fear too far off topic, but only because sure. I'm a divorce specialist. You mentioned something about negative child support, um, I guess, reporting. Tell me a little bit about that. What does that look like on your credit report? How does that impact you for those people who uh, may not realize that that actually is a reportable event?
1: Right. Well, you know, child support isn't always negative. It could definitely be a positive account if we've did good on payments, it's showing good positive payment history. It's building length of credit history. It's another positive trade line on the credit report. Now, where it goes negative is if we have late payments, Mm -hmm. accounts charges off, it becomes a derogatory account. Now we're having a bad factor on the credit profile. So that's what really affects us. So when we're talking about ways to move it, I know I gave the example regarding like balances, how they have to be accurate, right? So everything else does as well, too we're talking about like dates entered, uh payment history, personal information, do they have all the terms and conditions, the original contract, to signature. I mean anything and everything you think of on that account has to be 100% accurate. Not just wow. the balance, everything in its entirety. Yeah, well, I imagine we,
0: that's I'm sorry, go ahead.
2: Oh uh, yeah, uh, so the credit bureaus, they have to go by the FCRA, right? That's the law that they have to follow. Okay. Uh, which is the Fair Credit Reporting Act, right? And if you read the law, it states there explicitly that every account that's on the credit report has to be 100% verifiable and accurate, right? So what happens? Let's say we get a client, right, that has uh, a derogatory collection account, right? Uh, Capital One charged off, right? Yeah, they they know what they did. You know, they stopped paying for it. It got charged off after six months, uh, so what happens? Right. It gets reported to the credit bureaus. Now it's the credit bureaus responsibility to co- to report it correctly. Mm. But nine times out of 10. Right. They
0: don't they
2: report it inaccurately. <laughs> right. Because, for example, um, the charge off status, a lot of times what we get, it'll say late 120 days in one bureau. It'll say late 30 days on the other. And then it'll say late 180 days on the other bureau those three to match, days, right. they have to match right but if you if you if if the consumer looks at their credit report they're going to be able to see that there's a lot of discre, uh you know uh inconsistencies discrepancies and stuff like that which ultimately it hurts the client's credit score especially when you try to purchase a house right, right of course. the lender yeah the lender's going to be like man you know it, he has a charge off when it's not even supposed to be there because of the discrepancy
0: Yeah, yeah. it's
2: very, very, uh, you know, it's very it's kind of saddening, you know, that the bureaus reported inaccurately because, you know, there's clients out there that in reality, they could purchase a house if it was reporting correctly.
0: Yeah. And that sort of Uh, thing takes time, right? It's not like you can just call the credit bureau and say, hey, by the way, you misreported this late payment I had two years ago. Can you please just, you know, delete that on the system and send me a new report because I'm applying, you know, to get a loan for a house? And they'll say, sure. And then within 20 minutes, they send it to you. That's not how that works. (laughs) From what I'm told, this is (laughs) this takes time. It could take months.
2: What we tell clients is just because it takes one day to, you know, mess up your credit doesn't mean it's going to take one day, you know, for you to fix it. Yeah. You know it's a process. You know, it's like a war, you know, like we have to send out dispute letters. They send yeah. out stole tactics because remember, the bureaus, when they're reporting, you know, they're making money, you yeah. know, especially when the credit report is subprime, right, where it's yeah. a very bad credit report. The bureaus are banking on that. So every time they delete something off of the credit report, the credit bureaus are losing money. So of course we send out dispute letters, right? We send out dispute letters, and uh, they don't want to remove it. So what do they do? All <laughs> stall tactic. We didn't uh-huh. receive. Uh, yeah, we we didn't receive your social security when clearly we 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 did send the social security of the client or the license or the proof of residence. Uh, so that's basically what happens. It's an all-out war. So usually with with credit repair. Um, in an average of like six rounds, uh, and it's not six months, right? Because six rounds, um, the bureaus respond every 35 to 45 days, right? So we can't say six months. Yeah. So in an average of six rounds with our dispute letters, since we use factual disputes, you know, we don't say things like, hey, this doesn't doesn't belong to me, or, you know, it's not mine, right? We use factual uh, disputes where we actually point out the inaccuracies. Um, we're able to delete eighty percent of all of the inaccurate items off of the report. but but that's an average, right? We've had a client uh, consumers' in two or three rounds. We've been able to delete everything. Uh, but most of our consumers, it usually takes anywhere between six six months to a year.
0: That's incredible. Yeah, but that makes sense though that makes yeah. sense. um because I've seen that in the past with clients who have had to take a step back from the house purchasing process and say they have to call somebody or, or, or pay off some balances, whatever, any, anything that requires them to rebuild their credit, even by a little bit, it's usually what they tell us it's minimum three months and it could be a year and a year plus, depending on the situation and how badly they need to repair. So that's incredible. And uh, I'm actually taken back by some of the things that you've said to me, because I'm, I'm really not familiar with the back end, obviously of credit. I don't think anybody really is unless you're in the industry. Um, but yeah, you, it, Co- consumers do have legal rights and there are protections, uh, in place, but it, since you don't know about them, you have to reach out to say professionals like you to really look into that and do something for them that, that would actually yield some results. Tell me a little bit about, um, the effect that certain things, if you can, cause I don't know if that's, you know, a, a um, I don't know if, if that's, like on a scale, right? That you would say if I missed a payment, how many points does my my credit go down? If I file for bankruptcy, how many points does that go down? If I go into foreclosure, those types of events. What kind if you can tell me if there's a scale, like every time I miss a, a, a I send a late payment, does that affect my credit by 30 to 60 points, 60 to 90 points? Is there something like that that people could refer to in their minds?
2: Yeah. So in regards to like the scoring system, um, you know, there's over 30 different scoring models. Right. Wow. Um. Yeah. You know, they have it's credit not just
0: yeah, it's not just the one credit karma.
2: <laughs> no, no, not at all. So um, what happens is, is that, you know, when it comes to like the scoring system, a lot of people think, hey, yeah, my credit karma says this, but it's the inaccurate score or whatever the case is. But in reality, it all depends on the lender and what scoring model it is that they're using, right? Um, So it is impossible for anybody to tell you, you know, if you get a late payment, this is how much you're going to drop. The reason for that is because a lot of, everybody's credit report is different. So it depends how many collections do you have? uh, How many late payments do you have? How many inquiries, you know? So it would be impossible. Yeah, it would be impossible for anybody to tell you. Um, how how much your score would drop what we go by is the five factors of the credit score right 35 okay. percent of the credit score is payment history um you know uh, if you're if you're on time if you're late if you're late it's actually one of the worst things that you could do yeah, right sure. because that, that that drops your score uh 35 percent. 30 wow. percent is credit utilization right so that's how you're using your credit cards. Um, You know, I'm pretty sure everybody that's listening to this has heard about the 30% rule, right? Where, hey, don't use more than 30% of your limit or don't go to the 30% limit. We tell our clients not to go over 10% of their limit, right? Because, you know, the less credit that they use, the better it's going to be for the credit score since it affects 30% of the credit score. Mm. Right. So we're not able to tell, you know, exactly. Hey, uh, you know, if, if you're late, you're going to go you're going to go down 65 points. We don't
1: know. Right. right. There's too many factors. Right. Right. Also, why it's illegal to guarantee credit score increase. Yeah, I
0: read that somewhere. Yes. Yep. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people you hear it this is a problem. And this is one of the reasons I have the show, to be honest with you. It's to talk about real information because anybody can easily ask their uncle, their neighbor, the guy who sold them the car, their best friend from childhood, the guy who knows everything and doesn't really know anything. And they say, well, they told me that if I go to this place, they guarantee them that they will be able to increase their credit score by 100, you know, points. Or if I do this, then I can easily sell my house in like 24. You know, there's always like these shortcuts that I, absolutely hate because I hate anything that cuts a corner. That's just me personally. Yeah. I don't cut a corner in my personal or my professional life. So I am very keen on mentioning that. And that what you just said is exactly that. It's it's cutting a corner, but it's really, it's it's a lie. There's really no yeah. way from it's, what you're telling me. There's absolutely yeah, there's, no way.
1: Yeah. I mean, I see it all the time. Like even when I'm driving, like, I'll say on the bench, like raise your score over 100 points in one month. But it's like wording, you know, they, they're very specific with the words. So it's misguiding clients. Yeah, You know, you got situations where they're, you know, yeah, look, we've had, we've had clients that have gone up over two, 300 points in like just a few months, but that's not the same for everybody. Like the, your credit profile generates what your score is going to end up being. And if you're building your credit properly, you will see those increases. Right. But other people are using other type of like, what I would call like gray area things. Like Basically, it's like trying to sell trade lines, like authorized user accounts.
0: Oh, I've heard this about is, that too.
1: This is considered piggyback writing. You know, a lot of people don't realize that that's only a way to kind of like help support your credit. But, you know, piggyback writing. Lender looks it at that report. So that's not your credit. That's someone else's credit.
0: Right, right, right.
1: Right. So it could help you in some ways, but not most ways. And that's where a lot of the issues and the misguidance come into place. You can't just buy your way out of credit. Like how you kind of hit the, the you know, the nail on the head in the beginning where you're saying, you had a million dollars, but what does your credibility look like? Are you a liability? Yeah, Can the absolutely. lenders trust you? Yeah. And how are they going to trust you if you have no organically built credit? All you have is authorized user accounts. You're still going to get the client. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely.
0: And and you I don't know if it was you, Umberto, or you, Giovanni, who mentioned it at some point that no one's credit is the same as anybody else's. And that is true for basically anything and everything else in life. No two people are the same, no two homes are the same, no two transactions, no two divorces, no two credits. No, nothing. T- nothing, nothing is ever exactly the same. So you would be remiss if you think that you can just copy someone else's, you know, uh, life or yeah, someone else's credit report, someone else's transaction. It's never going to be identical. Um, that's just, that's just impossible. And, and that's just, that's
2: what, um you know, and, and, and one thing about our industry, right? The uh, credit repair industry, you know, that really upsets me because you see it everywhere on Instagram. It's mm-hmm. like what Gio had said in 30 days, your score is going to shoot up hundred points. So what happens, right? As an industry, a lot of people think that we're scams. Why? Because a lot of clients, you get baited into that, right? And then when they get baited into that, um, 30 days pass, their score doesn't go up, right? Then what happens? That's when the excuses start coming in. Ah, yeah, don't worry next month, but you just misleaded the client, you know, so he can sign up to your service. Right. So here what we do um, is we never tell clients what they want to hear. We tell them what they need to hear. Right. Because the thing is, yeah, the thing is, um, there's a reason why we have nothing but uh, positive reviews. We don't have not one negative review because we're never going to tell the client, you know, a lie. We're not going to say, hey, and because ultimately we don't control the credit score. Right. Right. The client is the only one that can control the credit score. Imagine yeah. if I were to tell the client, hey, in 30 days, your score is going to shoot up 100 points and they max out their credit cards. Their score is going to go anywhere, right. right? It doesn't matter what, you know, it, 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 that's why that's that's misleading, you know? Yeah. Um. We have to abide by a law called the CROA, which is the Credit Repair Organizations Act. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think with real estate is RESPA, right? I think you guys yeah. have to through the RESPA law or whatnot. Yeah. Us, yeah. we have to abide by the by the Credit Repair Organizations Act. And on there, it specifically states that we cannot make these claims. Uh, you know, we can't promise the world. You know, we get clients all the time. Hey, man, this guy told me, you know, that he's going to be able to remove everything. I'm like, all right, go ahead and try him. Yeah, you go know, ahead.
0: <laughs> You brought up a really interesting topic, not to, again, not to veer off too far from what we're talking about, but you, you're talking about misleading. There are a lot of laws and regulations in place, say, for your industry as well as the lending industry, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I used to work in banking and I remember I was back in the day uh, during the economic crisis that a lot of these new laws came into effect and you had to have like an NMLS number and you had to be registered with, you know, the government and all these things. And, you know, over the years and those things change, of course, with the economy and as, as new situations arise. But with time, these, you know, laws and regulations come and go. For the purpose of protecting the consumer in real estate, believe it or not, even though we have and we have other things, those are actually stemming from the lending side of things, right? Because the lending the, there's a consumer protection act and all these things that they need to abide by to make sure that the consumer is aware what they're paying, if there are any hidden fees, what interest rates are actually getting, et cetera, et cetera. But in real estate, there is no such thing. We actually abide by a code of ethics. The only thing, yes, which is very scary because we're talking about dealing with people's largest, most important investment. Mm-hmm. What the only thing you could truly really get in trouble for is for practicing real estate without a license. That is actually third degree felony. Outside wow. of that, you can promise anybody the world and get away with it, which that's is horrible. one of my biggest peeves in yeah, my industry. Horrible. And one of the, it, it, you said it, you know, you get a bad rap because there are other people out there promising things that they cannot deliver on because they're not legal. And then it makes you guys and your industry look like 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 a scam, like, like terrible. And I mm-hmm. hear this a lot from people who, you know, oh, I don't want to call that credit repair company because they're just there to charge you money every month and, you know, they don't ever do anything for your credit. I hear this a lot. I hear this a lot, but I've actually, believe it or not, I've actually hired a credit repair company in the past. This was uh, exiting my divorce. I think I had mentioned it to you in conversation once. I was exiting my divorce. You know, I I, uh, no longer owned a property, so I had paid off my mortgage and I had a a small dispute with my American Express card. And before I knew it, I had gone from like a mid to high 700 credit score to a mid 500 credit score. And I freaked Mm -hmm. out. I freaked out. I had no idea why it had gone down so much. So to make a very long story short, I eventually engaged the help of somebody very much like you. And they gave me some, some, some decent information. And, and yes, within a few, I would say probably within six to eight months, my credit went up probably about a hundred, 120 points. And once I broke the 700 club that I was back in business, Mm -hmm. you know, I started to get a little riskier and start applying for cards. And I think that helped me out a little bit. Um, and now I just miss
2: you the world or
0: they did not. Thankfully they did not. Yes. Well, that's why I know, because I did a lot of research and in doing that research and speaking to other people. And obviously in my line of business, I typically refer clients who have, you know, struggled with their credit. I typically try to help them out and refer them to credit repair experts, uh, for that reason. And listen, you don't have to be a millionaire and vice versa. You don't have to be struggling in life to have good or bad credit. That has nothing to do with how much money you have or don't have. And, you know, when, when it comes to divorce, which I mentioned, I'm a sort of certified divorce specialist. I can't tell you how many couples coming out of divorce, and I'm sure you've probably seen this, have their their credit has been affected because their spouse forgot to pay the mortgage last month because they were so upset or they were trying to get back at their spouse or they said well I'm no longer responsible for it a myriad of reasons and that one mortgage payment that is now late has affected your credit significantly so a lot of people exiting a divorce usually come out with affected credit scores so it's hard to place them going forward either to purchase a home or to even rent so that's actually something I run into a lot and I have to work around Um, and yeah, it's, it's the whole thing, again, going back to what it was, which is the negative rap that you guys get because of the people and the misinformation and disinformation that there's out there. Um, and it's a real
2: shame. Yeah. Yeah. It sucks. We, um, we have, um, at least with us, you know, we do get a lot of clients where, uh, you know, the reason that they came to us is because of divorce. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, what I, what I tell clients a lot of times, especially those that are married, um, is if I wouldn't do a joint account, right? right. Because again, you know, it, it's, it's not too, it's, it's like authorized users, right? Okay. Um, if you're going to co-sign for somebody, right? The only time that I recommend that you co-sign for somebody is if, for example, you know, because let's say my mom, right? Let's say my mom was to ask me, Hey, can, can I borrow your credit to buy a car? Okay. Right. Um, the only time that I would tell her yes is if I know that if she were to default on it, and it's not that she's gonna do it intentionally. I mean, right. life happens, you know. Of um, course, she can get laid off, you know. Uh, there's a lot of things that could happen where she doesn't have to do it intentionally, mm-hmm. right? Um, the only time that I would do it is if I know for a fact that I'll be able to take over the payments because this way, if I'm able to take over the payments, if she's not able to pay it, it's not gonna affect my credit score great point so that's what that's what I tell people that are married right like if you want to add your uh significant other uh your husband your wife to a credit card don't do a joint account do an authorized user right because with an authorized user all you have to do if 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 worse comes to worse you just got to call the credit card company and they'll remove you but with a joint account, um, you know, you have you to permission have from both. permission from both. And if yeah. there's animosity there, which we've seen us, uh, we've seen, uh, you know, a lot of times where, you know, the husband or the wife is mad at the other person mm-hmm. and they don't care about their credit. they yeah. they just want to hurt the other person. Right. Yeah. And they're like, you know what, I'm just going to miss, I'm going to be late, you know, and I'm going to make sure that it affects them, you know, yeah. so Sabatage. the best thing to do that is, is not doing joint accounts. I'm, yeah. you know, yeah, I don't, don't recommend
1: Sorry, really quick, because you got me thinking and it was kind of funny. <laughs> I actually have uh, two clients that happened to, to get me. And I know that they used to be married. And both of their credits got messed up. They both ended up reaching out to me differently. And none of them know that they're both working with me at the same time. How funny. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I, obviously, I can't say anything, but I...
0: I, I... <laughs> but you're looking at it from the back funny. end and saying, Oh, well, this is interesting. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, and they they've <laughs> talked about each other because obviously so you know, they're explaining to me what's the reasoning that the credit got Correct. damaged. Yeah. Stuff. So, you know, we hear a lot of the life stories and stuff like that. And it's like, man, little do you know, but you know, the reason, you know, <laughs> you go yes. with me. Yep. And they have yeah. no idea.
0: And listen, it doesn't even have to be, it doesn't have to be something like divorce. It doesn't even have to be anything like sabotage for the very happy couples who are you know, going about life and and enjoying every day of, of, of their life and their family, it could very well be that one of them gets sick and ends up in the hospital for a week because they had vertigo. I don't know. It could be something just like what you said, life happens. And if they forgot or they were just physically, literally unable because something got in the way. And again, it's unintentional. It's going to affect you. It's it's there's no way around it. The credit co- credit bureaus don't care that, you know, you were on vacation yeah. or that you were sick or that your, you know, kids got stuck somewhere or that you had a a I don't know a, a very unfortunate circumstance come up. Those hardships, you know, there are ways to get around hardships and it depends and that's a whole another topic of conversation when it comes to mm-hmm. purchasing and lending and all those things, but they really don't care. That's not their that's not their business. That's not their problem. So that's a very good point, you know, about doing the instead of doing joint accounts to do authorized users.
1: Yeah, That's best a way to tip. protect yourself is just like Humberto said, like, I tell clients the same thing, like, don't, don't purchase something with your credit card, don't pull out like a small loan, if you're not able to pay it back, or you don't have the funds to pay it back, if you're building credit. Now, if it's something in regards to like, let's say, uh, property, right, property also has equity. So I mean, there's always, there's always ways where you could take care of that. It's not like you're completely upside down. True. You know, there's ways we could take care of it when you have uh, um, something that's not profitable or something that's not actually has equity in it. Mm-hmm. That's what I would call a, a negative loan because you just owe all that back. But there's nothing right. tied to it. Right. right. So if you don't have five hundred dollars in your account, don't put don't buy a five hundred dollar laptop from Best Buy. Right.
0: Right. Right. And right. Um, <laughs> something about what you also said there, which is, you know, when you're talking about the authorized users, um, you don't have to think of it as a as a means to being separate from your spouse because let's say something does happen and your husband let's say his credit suffered and now he's in the 600s but you still manage to keep your credit in the 7 or 800 level when you go to buy a new house right let's say you're upsizing in life or downsizing whatever the case may be and you go for a loan if both your credits are affected, then you're not going to get that loan. Many times, if one, you know, who whoever's score is highest, the lender can take you as the primary borrower, let's say, and say, I'm going to offer you this interest rate or this loan program because you actually qualify. You're above a 6, 760, 780, whatever. But if both your credits are below a 700, then you're not going to get that, that loan program. You're not going to get that special rate. But if at least one of you has exceptional credit, then you can get by and you can purchase that other house or, you know, that vacation home, whatever it may be. So again, that's just a reason why to consider doing the authorized user as opposed to doing the joint accounts when it comes to credit. 100%. Yeah. Some people might think about that and be like, well, I don't know, because if I don't do a joint account, it doesn't really. no, 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 it's it's not about that. It's it's about being practical and about being smart about your future and how you're going to, you know, be able to use credit to your favor. Yeah. So, not it's a joint interesting. Account,
1: but still a joint decision. You guys are still supporting each other equally. Correct. Right. It's not the, like how you said, it's not anything about it being separate. Actually, it gives you guys more options and opportunity to exactly. be able to do things together.
0: Exactly. Exactly. That's the whole point. Um, I had a couple questions here. Let me see if I can get to some of these because this is, I mean, I I'm sure there's far more to dig into this, but it's only one episode. We'll certainly bring you guys back to talk about other things. But, um, I, I was curious about something. I saw one of your videos recently, by the way, I tell you, Umberto all the time, you have fantastic content. Every one of your videos that you post on Instagram is very captivating and I always learn something. So thank you very much for putting out those tips and, um, and those Thank those you. highlight reels.
2: <laughs> G- Gio's the one that gives me the ideas.
0: Oh really? So you're the mastermind behind that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he's just saucing me up. He's saucing me we, up. <laughs> we call we, call, we call Giovanni the brain. So that's why you know that's why uh, he's the one. He's you... the one that you know.
0: <laughs> that's so funny. So Pinky and the Brain here. Yes. Yep, that's
2: it. <laughs> that's it. <Yeah.
0: laughs> well, the question I had for you is how has the credit repair industry evolved over the years and what trends do you see in the future and i bring that up because i know that or i hear that people are over what's the what's the word that they were saying um people have overused their credit in recent times and i don't know if that opens up any doors for potential problems in the credit industry or you tell me what what what's in stock for us coming up
2: yeah, so um in regards to the future, right, of um right now, um I think it was last month or this month, um the the United States has the highest the highest um, amount of credit card debt in the history of ever happening, you know, it's crazy. So what happened That's was it. with the with the with the pandemic, mm-hmm. right, with the pandemic, COVID, the shutdowns, this and that. Um, A lot of people, you know, started maxing out their credit cards. Right. Mm -hmm. We saw we saw it happening with our own clients. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So during that time, you know, a lot of people inflation, inflation, actually, uh, you know, I think it rose to nine percent. Right. And that's the highest it's ever been. Um, And what happens is, is that, you know, when these people are, are going through that, they stop paying their credit cards. Right. So mm-hmm. at least for credit repair, um, you know, when there's crisis, you know, our industry uh, booms. Right. Because yeah. of the simple fact that a lot of people, you know, need our help. Right. You know, especially if they're not able to afford their their, their vehicle, they got their car repossessed. Uh, you know, uh, you know, COVID, a lot of people went to the hospital. They weren't able to pay their medical bills. Uh, you know, they weren't able to pay their credit cards. Um, so I would say, uh, you know, depending on the economy, right. And the inflation rate, um, I would say that, you know, at least for us, I mean, our industry is, 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 is really, really good. I mean, it's strong in other words. So
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. Anything
1: yeah, that just, to, uh, sorry uh-huh, to add ahead. on to that. I mean, even, even when we're talking about, cause good points, I mean, right now there's a lot of, a lot of struggle with inflation and, and everything coming off of the whole pandemic situation and um you know even if we're looking into you know possible recession right because we've been looking at uh, gdp drops Mm -hmm. um when all this stuff happens yes we have high interest rates on all the loans that you're getting right now everything is a little bit crazy but Mm -hmm. if you actually look at history a lot of people that come out of this unscathed are actually the people that already have good credit yeah so like if you're able to pull out, let's say you're, you're having an issue with work, whatever the case is, there's ways where you can get loans. Maybe the rates aren't that great, but you're able to still stay afloat, keep the roof over your head, make those payments you need on the vehicle because you're able to borrow. Right. right? And then once everything starts to slow down, there's always chances of, and I'm sure you're you're, you're very familiar with the process of refinancing, bringing down right. the interest, being able to pay all these things back. When you don't have good credit, all you have is whatever you saved in your savings account. People are pulling loans out of their 401 you know like Crazy. they're they're taking out so having good credit during times like this is really going to help out it's really going to help you
0: what is the craziest thing you've heard from somebody that i guess like say an excuse if you will for having terrible credit or for not i'm just oh, curious oh well, the
1: worst worst of the worst that's easy yeah um i've had people call me like i don't believe in credit it's terrible i do everything cash oh. and it's like well, I'm curious. They like, were they born yeah. in the United States or yeah, that's true. somewhere else where they don't have credit? You know, right. like there's other countries where, you know, your credibility is based on income. Right. But if you live in the United States <laughs> and you say you don't believe in credit, um, I, I don't blame them, you know, cause this is something they don't teach you in school. Mm. Right. But once I actually are able to get them to to listen and understand the importance and how Mm -hmm. to properly build credit and be responsible it reduces your risk of getting into that situation of you know credit debt having issues nobody wants collection companies calling them of course you know but again it's not even about how much money you make obviously that can help out but your credibility is everything I've, i've i've um you know, quoted like Wolf of Wall Street movie, you know, you're talking about somebody that had all the money in the world, still having trouble getting approved from banks, can't, can't purchase anything. Yes. yes. So more money usually causes more more money, more (laughs) problems, (laughs) more money, more problems. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Yes. More money, more problems. Well, really what that means is that the more money you have, the more you're, you're bound to spend because now you think you have the luxury to spend more. Yeah, your standard of living goes up if you manage to make more money, but continue to spend the same way you did when you were in college or in your early 20s or whatever, then you'd be you'd be great. You'd be you'd be sitting pretty. And uh, yeah, so some people think that cash is king, but really it's credit. Credit is king.
2: I tell people that, you know, that say, hey, you know, I don't believe in credit. I go like, do you have two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to buy a house cash? You know, more than yeah. likely they don't, you yeah. know, like, and
0: you're going to have like, to increase you to probably like multiply that by two or
2: three. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like like I tell people like people that have no credit or bad credit, it, it is like way more expensive to live life. Right.
0: Yeah. Uh, like, for
2: example, let's say you try to so purchase a true. vehicle. Yeah, let's say you try to purchase a vehicle. You go to the to the to the dealership, you have a 580 credit score, expect to put minimum of anywhere between $3 to $5,000 down. Uh, oh, the okay. interest rate is going to be high and soar your monthly payments. However, if you go with like a 750 plus, you save those $3 to $5,000 as a down payment, your interest rate is low Lower. and the monthly mm-hmm. payments are low. You can apply that to a house as well.
1: Yeah.
2: It's not the same buying a house at a 580 than it is with a, with a 740. A lot of lenders get mad at me. A lot of lenders get mad at me for that. Why? Because they're like, (laughs) Oh yeah. yeah. You know, I'm trying to approve them at a 580. I'm like, dude, you're not, you're not focusing on, on, on the client. You know what I mean? Remember this is a third, this is a 30 year loan and you're trying to make your commission, which I get, I can't, you know, I can't say, Oh my God, But but you know if they come to me you know my goal is to get the client to the highest credit score possible so they can save money because the amount of money that you're saving when you purchase a house with a higher credit score even five points even five points can make a difference of thousands and thousands of dollars. A hundred
0: percent. Thank you so crazy, much for saying of that. Course. Most people don't realize that. And yes, I actually had that conversation a long time ago with a, another a financial professional. We were talking about that, that people don't realize That the lower your credit score, yeah, can you get by in life? Sure, but it's gonna be that much more expensive because the higher your credit, the greater the opportunities, the lower the interest rates, and that can translate into exactly what you said hundreds and thousands of dollars in savings. So, yeah, I, and you know, with people like that, you you don't wanna work with people like that, people who really don't care that you're financing at a 580. Now, of course, listen, it depends. You know, you may be in a in a circum in a, a situation or circumstance that requires you you absolutely need to buy this house. Those are all usually very personal reasons. Now, if you need to get into that house, then that lender should do everything they possibly can to get you approved for a loan at 580, whatever that takes. Agreed, agreed. But if they if it's if it's not an emergency, right, and as a as a real estate professional, I'll be the one to tell you, I need to know really what your needs are. When people come up to me and say, Uh, is now a good time to buy? Is now a good time to uh, sell? I always say, I have a very lawyerly answer for you. And that is, it depends. And people are like, oh, everybody always wants a yes or no answer, right? But it really, it does depend on your situation, on your finances, on the circumstances, on the reasons, you know, you're you're looking to, to buy yourself. It depends on a lot of different factors, right? But so if it's not urgent and you can wait, say, two, three, four, six, eight months, whatever next year, then the goal would be to, say, seek somebody from credit right to help them repair their credit so that they can in the future save hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending on the. You know now, situation. Patel, I mean, I
1: have my own answer to this question, but considering you're the specialist in this field, <laughs> I, I wanted to actually ask you a question. Oh, okay. okay. Based off of what you were just saying. Okay. I am always getting clients that are saying, look, I know my score is not that great, but with the cost of rent, I could just mm. be paying mortgage. Mm. But we know that it's still not a good time for them to even try to get approved with a little credit score. So how would you handle that?
0: That's a very, very good question. And the answer is it depends. <laughs> 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 no, in all seriousness, it does. it depends. Yeah. Um, it really does depend on a few things, especially the personal, yeah, especially the personal aspect, you know, why are they moving? Where are they moving to? What? kind of situation do they find themselves in? You know, um, do they have small children or they're getting a divorce? Do they have elderly parents? Do they need to be closer to, uh, you know, work or closer to parent? I mean, there's a myriad of reasons why people actually choose to move. I always say that it's um, a life event that prompts people to move. If it's a matter of being able to save, you know, because it's something that they can repair their credit, say, in the next six to eight months or maybe within the year and they can purchase next year, then it may make more sense for them to get into an affordable rent now, save a little money. In other words, don't get the biggest rental you can find. If you can make it because it's just you and your boyfriend or just you or you and your husband, and you don't have little kids to be worried about if they're going to such and such school and they need space, or maybe somebody has, you know, they have special needs of some kind, then you know what? Bite the bullet, rent for the next 12 months. And instead of renting at $3,500, find a $2,800 rent. Okay. It doesn't have the largest space. Fine. Does it have the nicest kitchen? Fine. This is not your permanent residence. And then save the extra two, three, $400, work on your credit. And when we come around, you know, six months, I mean, 12 months later, you know, we can discuss then purchasing because if your credit is 680 and you can prop and it's, it's stupid, the things that you need to do, right. We'd be speaking with you and the things that we need to do can potentially get them, you know, at a really at another level, then yeah, that would make sense for them to purchase next year. You know, now of course I always have to remind them 12 months from now, the interest rates may be higher and prices may be higher. So it's something that they really need to take that into consideration and say, am I okay with paying, say, a 10% increase, you know, in in prices and, and values for homes. And, you know, as far as the interest rate is concerned, we don't have a crystal ball for that. So it's a big risk you take, but it usually sets them up for success. But it again, it depends and it also depends on the client, you know, the customer what where they are in life and 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 how they foresee their future unfolding you know how responsible they are are they really going to save money or you know do they plan on maybe they plan on going to school and taking out student loans that's a whole nother topic of conversation you know what i mean so (laughs) we're
2: we're the i would say that we're like the same um you know um i guess it all depends, you know, like on the client, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're very like at least here, you know, we're not greedy for clients, you know, like yes. like we, we we always in our evaluation, we train our agents, right? Um, like, hey, you know, we have a, a, a client that has maxed out credit cards, right? And then I like to ask them, hey, listen, I'm looking at your credit report, right? All your credit cards are maxed out. Are you sure you can afford an mm-hmm. extra in- expense a month? Because it doesn't make sense for you to stop paying one credit card. It defeats the purpose, you know, yeah. of credit repair and paying us, right. you know, the last thing that we would want to do is be a burden, you know, and, you know, that's another reason we get a lot of referrals because, you know, the biggest, uh, you know, the biggest thing is word of mouth, mm-hmm. right? You know, and you have to be honest with all these clients and, you know, yes. you look at a credit report. And, uh, you know, when when we talk, talk to these clients, we'd rather them save money, you know, like we've of had, course. clients say, oh my God, I can't believe that, you know, you only have one inquiry, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to sign you up for one inquiry. We, we know, we know that, you know, if we remove that inquiry, since it's super old, uh, nothing's going to happen to your credit report. It's not even affecting you. So right? wouldn't it would be
0: fair to take their money for something yeah. like that. Right.
2: But, but if it goes to anybody else, you know, that's in the industry, they're going to try to hit them over the head for no reason, you know, and that's, that's, that's why, like, you know, we work with, with like integrity, you know, when it comes to that, because we know, yeah, we know the, the, the way that we run our business is we look at, you know, our competition and see what is it that they're doing wrong. And we do the opposite, right? A lot of these credit repair companies, they don't answer the phone, right? We answer every phone call for our clients, right? Um, We sign them up and every month, they're going to hear from us because one of the biggest flaws that credit repair companies have is that they sign up the client and they forget about them. Mm
0: -hmm. You know,
2: they're like, Oh my God, I just paid this money. So of course it's going to look like a scam. If you're not following up with the client, Mm -hmm. it feels like as a consumer, it feels like, yo, I just paid these people some money and then they just left and disappeared. Yeah. But we're like the opposite of that. Right. Which is why that that's why our slogan says fix your credit the right way. Right. That's good. So, that's
0: good. Well, then that means yeah. that your company name is, is perfect.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gio came no, up with the name.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Gio, you're you're definitely the brain.
1: Definitely. Gio, the, brain. Gio's the brain. <laughs> I mean, It was real simple. Everyone kept saying I need to get my credit right. So I'm like, OK, that's the name. So,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's great. Listen, you you hit the nail on the head as you were speaking. I was thinking that exact same. That's called integrity, doing the right thing when nobody's looking, doing the right thing for sake of doing the right thing. And it baffles me how many people actually get sucked into doing something um, the wrong way. And I, it, we don't want it makes those me wonder. Yeah, no. We well,
2: those are the clients that give you bad reviews. Bro, bro, yes. This happened yesterday, you know.
0: Well, not just that, but I I have to wonder, I'm not a salesman. I know that sounds crazy. I work in real estate. So people must think that I, you know, I'm in a sales job, so I'm constantly going to be selling you. That's not what I do. You work with me because you want to work with me because of the value I offer in my service. And if that's not good for you, then maybe we're not a good fit. Right. So I don't, I I've been working out of, um, from referrals for 20 years and, and that's how I prefer to do my business. I can't, understand how or why somebody would, what's the word I'm looking for without sounding horrible, but how somebody would just real, yeah, misguide. Yeah. You know what? Misguide is a better word. Misguide, (laughs) intentionally misguide people into making poor decisions just to land a sale. That to me is just that's
2: that's bad business, you know, and, and there's a reason why we've, uh, we've been in business for the long that we have, because we already know, like I put myself in the consumer's position, you know, yes. Like I want to make Great. sure that, you know, I receive the best. Like, let's say I call, uh, I don't know, Comcast or Xfinity, you know, I want to make sure that I'm valued as a client, that uh-huh. they're not lying to me. Uh, you know, I, I I need to make sure. So what do I do? I make sure like the customer journey or the consumer journey with us is the best that they could have, you know, at least to, to my like to the best of my ability. Right. Right. Because ultimately the the, the important person here is the consumer.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: right? The important person here is the consumer. They're the ones that have the goals. You know, they're coming at you with a big trust where they're like, hey, you know, I'm trusting you with my credit so I can achieve my dream of buying a house. Right. right. And right. it's a big responsibility um, for people in our industry to actually help the clients achieve that goal. You know, we've had clients cry, cry to us, you know, like, oh, my God, I didn't think it was possible, you Aww. know. And, and, and I always tell them, I go like, listen, I mean, I know that your dream is to buy a house, but I'm not I'm not sure if it's going to happen or not, you know, but I'll, I'll try to, you know, my best to guide you there, you know, but it all right. depends on you. It doesn't depend on me. You know, because ultimately, um, you know, I'm here to give you the the map. It's your job to like, you know, look for the gold or whatever the case is. But yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it's all about, you know, uh, the customer. We like to put the customers first. um, And I think that's super important and imperative, you know, and and not only in in, in this industry, but in any industry.
0: Agreed. Any industry. Agreed. Even if you're selling a product and not exactly selling a service, your client should be top of mind. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. So before we conclude, do you have, say, any tips that you can give people like a DIY to make sure that your credit's always, you know, on the up and up or that you're doing, you know, the right thing to keep your credit as as squeaky clean as possible, other than make sure you pay your bills on time?
2: Yeah. One of the one of the OK, so a lot of people have the misconception where, you know, hey, uh, you know, let's say your credit card is a thousand dollar limit, right? 30 percent of a thousand is three hundred. Right. So what a lot of people think is that if you go over the limit, I'm sorry, if you go over the 30 percent, you're still going to be fine as long as you bring it down under the 30 percent before the due date. Mm -hmm. Right. But that's not the case. So what happens is on the credit report, there's a section that says high credit. And it records every time that you use more than 30 percent of your credit score, it's going to prevent from your credit score increasing. So, yes, your limit is a thousand. But if you want your credit score to go up, your limit is three hundred. Oh, right? wow. Yeah. we And and we've done a lot of uh trial and error or, you know, a lot of testing where mm-hmm. we've seen the client spend three hundred and one dollars. Uh, and then another client would spend $300 and then another one, $299. And the one that did uh, $300 and $299 were the same, but the one that had 301 dropped. <gasps> and we're like, whoa. Yeah. So a lot of people are like, oh, what if I pay, What if I use it all in one day and then pay it under 30% on the same day? It still records every time you go over the 30%. It's crazy.
1: Wow. The reporting date, if you if you wanted to touch, like that's like two seconds Bert, on uh, the difference between your due date and the reporting date.
2: Uh, yeah. Yes. So... So the due date is when you owe the credit card. The statement date is when they report to the credit bureau. So a lot of people have the misconception where if I make 1,567 payments in one month, that's going to help my credit score. <laughs> but no, it's not. You know, uh, what <laughs> matters is, yeah, it doesn't matter the amount of times that you pay your, uh, your credit funny. card. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't <laughs> matter. You know, like people are crazy. Like, <laughs> But anyways. <laughs> So what matters is, right, is the statement date, right? You want to make sure that the balance is at its lowest credit utilization three days before the statement date, right? So for it. example, uh, the statement date is on the 17th. You want to make sure that the statement date when you make your payment is actually like on the 14th and don't Got touch it. it. Let it report to the credit bureaus and you're good.
0: And now the statement date, I, I, I remember watching one of your videos about that it doesn't always show up on your statement you may have to actually call the credit company and say hey when are you reporting what's my statement date and they'll tell yes. you that
2: correct correct yeah you can um i mean usually it's the closing date it would just be the date from like let's say you look at your credit like for example apple a lot of people have apple credit cards right oh, yeah, that's with thing. apple credit cards It doesn't tell you the statement date, right? And if you call them, it's weird. They don't even know when the statement date is. So what you want to do is you want to look at the dates on when it closes, right? So it'll say January 1st through January 31st. You already know that the statement date is going to be January 31st. So you want to
1: pay three days before the state uh, before that date.
0: Okay. Okay. So for clarification,
1: yeah, you know, make sure the payment posts in time before, right? Because sometimes it'll tell you, yeah,
0: payment will post two to three days. (laughs) you know, from the day that you initiate this payment. And so just for clarification, for those who are listening, it's not your due date. Your due date is the day by which everybody, including myself, believes that your payment needs to be in, right? So you'll receive that bill in the mail and it'll say you owe $250 minimum due by, I don't know, September 15th. That's not your closing date. That's just your due date. So your statement date may be, I don't know, August 1st or August 31st. August 31st being the statement date, then you want to make sure that your payment is in by the, 26, 27 to be on the safe side.
2: Yeah, we we drill it into our client's head. It is a <laughs> sin if you pay on the due date. With our company, it's a sin. <laughs> you know, like you're... And then, oh, oh when did my score go up? when it's because you didn't pay on the statement date. You got to pay due date, you know, like it's crazy.
0: You know what? I remember seeing that video. Uh, I don't know if it was this week or last week, because I've gone through your account. I've been trolling you just to get more information from you. No, okay. um, but I promised that I was going to do when I pay all my bills on the first. Right. I sit down on the first of every month and I pay all of my bills and I just go. Right. And I have like an Excel spreadsheet and I go through each one of my accounts and then I schedule my payments for the rest of the month. Um, but I'm, I'm afraid I've been sinning for a very, very long time. So please forgive me. It's I've okay. Been it's okay. A you couple know, days before is, my the, due date.
2: The, the good thing is sins are forgiven. So you're good. You know, so <laughs> yeah. end, it's, it's all good. You know, now, you know, <laughs> that, you know, on the statement date, right. That's when you want to pay. So this way they can yes. re- balance to the credit bureaus. Okay. And you're going to notice a difference, right? Maybe you're in a plateau. Maybe you're like, man, why doesn't my credit score go yeah. up? Right. All you have to do is make that little tweak, right? Once you make that little tweak, uh, you know, I remember, like, for example, when I was younger, right? I remember, and and, and it's like what Gio said, you know, I wish they would have taught us this in schools. I remember when I was, like, in the seventh grade, they were teaching me about the hypotenuse. Man, I'm 36 (laughs) years old right now and to this day. I still haven't used the hypotenuse. I remember, oh, man, I'm going to social studies. I'm going to social studies to talk about the rivers and stuff. I'm like, man, why are you teaching me about the rivers? Teach me how to file taxes, you know, teach me how to, you know, um, how to build my credit, you know, and 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 that's you know, and unfortunately it's everybody that thinks, oh yeah, credit, not a lot of people know it's crazy, you know. The like hypoten- wish they would have taught us this in school.
0: Oh my god. The fact that you even remember that the hypotenuse was in the we learned that in school. Yeah, you know?
2: like, that's crazy. The <laughs> circumference.
1: That's hilarious. Ge-
2: Geo the other day taught me about the radius, and I was like, what? <laughs> like that's crazy, you know. <laughs> that's
1: hilarious. That is
0: hilarious. Uh, okay, good. So that's something I'm definitely going to make. Um, I'm going to do this this time around. So come, what is it? What's today? July. Okay. So come August 1st, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to re recalculate all my dates, my due dates, my quote unquote due dates, and I'm going to start paying before the reporting, the, the statement date. Okay, good. So I'm going to do that. And uh, and I'll be forgiven of my sins and going forward. My I should see hopefully an improvement to my credit. So, For yeah, sure. my credit For has been kind of plateaued. You're right. My I, and I've noticed that I'm like, man, I've been doing so well. I always pay everything on time. I always pay more are than, you, you know, you going over the kind the limit? of thing. Yeah. N- uh, no, no, I never no, go over the
2: 30 percent.
0: Yes. I unfortunately sometimes. Yeah.
2: OK, sometimes. so if you tweak that, too, in combination with the statement date, your score will go up even higher.
0: That's great. I and, never paid credit cards off. I do that a lot. And I don't know. I've heard conflicting information. Is that a yeah. good thing to do, a bad thing to do to pay them off? Keep
2: so them at zero? It, de- it depends. Right. So what happens is um, and we've done a lot of trial and error uh, while well, testing with our clients where, you know, we're like, hey, look, pay off this credit card and pay it off in full.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
2: Or just pay it off and leave a dollar. Right. So the uh-huh. thing is, the, the the credit card companies, if you leave it at zero, they're not making many, any money off of you, right? They're, they're, they're not making any interest. But remember if you, uh, what happens if you leave a dollar, right? But let's say 500,000 people leave it at a dollar. They're, st- they're making a, a, a lot of money, right? So we've noticed that if you pay it off, it's gonna help. It is gonna help because remember, you're bringing down debt. So that's always right. gonna help you in your favor. But it helps out more if you leave a dollar, Right. So like, for yeah, it's all you have to do is leave a dollar. So when you pay it, try not to use more than 30 percent. The limit shouldn't be your limit. It should be 30 percent of the limit. Mm -hmm. Um, And then try instead of paying it off in full, leave a dollar. Right. And you're going to notice a huge difference. A hundred percent.
1: Dollars go a long way here. Like even on the opposite side, let's say you don't have a high balance. You're under 30 percent and you're deciding that you're going to pay just your minimum payment. Mm -hmm. Don't pay your minimum. Pay a dollar more than your minimum. Just
0: a dollar more?
1: Uh, The dollars go a long way here, yeah. Because you don't want to show that you're making minimum payments. So just pay at least a dollar more than your minimum and always try to leave at least a dollar in your account.
0: That's really good. I never knew just how much more. So let's say the minimum payment is, I don't know, for sake of conversation, $150, $150. I always send like minimum, like $200 or $220 because I want to make that spread. Like, you know, I want to make an impression
1: (laughs) on the the creditor. So it's just a dollar. If you pay at least a dollar more, it's going to show that you pay more than your minimum. That's it. If you're paying a hundred dollars more, it's still going to show that you pay more than sure. your minimum. But yeah. I mean, pay more if you if you're over thirty percent. Don't go over thirty yeah. percent. Yeah, that's
0: true too. That's true. Too. I mean,
2: the right. only thing that that's going to um, help out in is if you do pay the two hundred. I mean, I I mean again, know, I would definitely prefer for you to pay the two hundred because it's yeah. going to lower the balance and you're going right. to save on the interest. But it's true what Gio is saying. They look at it that way from that perspective on how they calculate the credit score. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, they are going to look at it where, OK, you know, she paid a dollar, you paid 100. Right. But um, you want to make sure that the more you pay, the better, because that's going to drop your credit utilization,
1: yeah. you know,
2: so. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same thing. I mean, they're going to look at it, you know, it's just the way that they calculate their credit score. Um, Another thing that we get to, right, is a lot of clients are like, oh, my God, I hate credit cards, you know, like, oh, my God, what? So we like to use a lot of strategy with our clients, right? We like to like tip them and stuff like that. So we tell them, hey, look, you know, let's say you have five credit cards, right? What we tell our clients is like, okay, if you have five credit cards, but you don't use them, you don't want to leave them at zero for a period of time, because what happens is is that, you know, after a period of time, if you don't use your credit cards, they could close down on them. Right. And that'll, that'll erase your history and it's going to affect you negatively. Right. So like, let's say you have five credit cards, Capital One, Chase, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, whatever the case is, what you want to do is you want to, for each card that you have, you want to use it for a bill. As long as that bill is not more than 30%, it's the same Mm -hmm. thing. You know, yeah. you're, you're using yeah. your credit card, you're building your credit and you're preventing it from closing down on you, right yeah. one for Netflix, the other one for Amazon, one for right. gas, you know, so that's one of the tips that we give our clients, because that's if you good. leave them at zero, after a period of time, they will close it down on you basically, it's going to shorten your credit history, um, and the length of credit history. So it's going to affect you like a lot, you know, so
1: that's good. A lot of times, they'll even lower your amount of credit available credit. So, like your credit limit could be at fifteen. You haven't used it for a long time. They could lower your credit limit even True. before closing the account yeah. itself. I have and seen
0: like, that. Yeah, it, it
2: has
1: yeah, happened to real me in real the back. past. Mm-hmm. And then one of the other, and then the last thing, because I know we have
2: to go. I know you have to go. Um, is we get we get clients that get um, they call us um, and they they talk about credit consolidation or debt consolidation, right? Where they're like, "Oh, should I do it?" Um, You know, I don't really recommend, uh, you know, debt or credit consolidation because what happens is, um, I mean, it depends if it's an extreme case, you know, then maybe, but basically what happens with uh, debt or credit consolidation is that they tell the client to stop paying their credit cards for six months. That's Mm going to destroy their credit, right? So every month, what's going to happen is 30-day late payment, 60-day late payment, it has to get to 180. So during those six months, your credit's getting destroyed. After that, that's when these debt consolidation companies go and try to negotiate. Negotiate. Yeah. Um, And then basically they bring, let's say it takes them two or three years to pay off all that debt. After that, now they're going to have to hire a credit repair company mm-hmm. because when you pay off a collection or when you pay off a uh, a charge off, the only thing that changes is the balance. So instead of it saying collections account or charge off uh, for whatever you owe, it's going to go to zero, which still affects your credit score negatively, right? So what mm-hmm. I tell clients is like, listen, do you have an extra $100? And they're like, yeah, you know, maybe. I'm like, Okay. You're going to put all your credit cards, you're going to put them on the table, right? You're going to see which one. You're not going to go by the highest balance. You're going to go by the highest interest because that's where you're losing the most money, money, right? right. So you're going to get an extra $100 and you're going to start attacking that credit card, Mm -hmm. right? You're going to pay $100, $100. So all your other credit cards, you're going to pay the minimum payment, but you're going to use that extra $100 on that credit card. Right. right. So you're paying, it, are paying, it, paying. And let's say the minimum payment is twenty five dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Right. When you're done paying that credit card, you're going to start with the other credit card. Mm-hmm. You're going to get the one twenty five. It's the same exact money. You're just bringing down your balances with one hundred dollars. And yep. then you're going to start with the other one. Yep. Right. And then that's how you do it. I would prefer you doing that than 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 for the client to destroy their credit using yep. credit consolidate or debit consolidation.
0: Yeah, you know, those things
2: are $100, big. you know, you just got to be, uh, you know, very strict,
1: you know. Because... Yeah, you have to.
0: Right. You have to you have to be very disciplined and committed to, yeah. to that process. You can't
1: use your credit cards, basically. Yeah,
0: correct. you are going to pay
1: one way or another. Yeah, yeah. We might as well just do it on the front end.
0: Yes. And fix it. <laughs> well, you guys are you guys seem to be a wealth of information when it comes to credit. I'm assuming then that both of you are in the 800 club. <laughs>
2: Knowing all these uh, tips so, and tricks, so so I have um I have uh you know confession. I'm at 7.99. I'm at 7.99. You know? I'm at
0: $7.99. that's pretty damn good. I'm, I'm almost, there.
1: Boy, right. bro, I'm I'm almost there. there. i got I'm go there. it. I'm almost <laughs> there. You know, Kermani, what about you? <laughs> Me, you know, I, I listen. I get a proof for everything.
2: <laughs>
1: oh, come on, Gio. Great bro. Gio has
2: better credit way. than me. I'm telling you. Gio has better. That's the brain right there. Gio has. Way that's better, right. Better I, keep I keep forgetting. This guy forgetting. has an 838 for sure. You know? <laughs> come on. Well, bro. what's
1: the
0: highest you can have? What's the highest credit you've ever seen? Technically,
1: 850. Okay.
2: 850.
1: Well, Nine, well 800. there's one score model that does 900. Yeah. Wow. But 850 is where everybody looks at. And I believe the the number was less than 10 percent of all Americans have even oh, passed to the 850. Like it's elusive. And, you know, yeah, it's not it's not easy. People that hit that usually have like 15 plus active accounts. Wow. Yeah. And, and they have a mortgage.
2: Right. Right. A student loan. You know, it's different types of credit. There's a lot of things like to get to the elite. Yeah. The mortgage carries
0: more weight. I know that
2: for sure. sure. Especially with the FICO scoring model. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, um, different scoring models depending on, you know, with credit karma, you could go up to eight fifty. uh, you know, so that's, you know, that's, that's, that's elite. That's That's, awesome. Yeah. That is great. That is great.
0: I, um, I'll, I'll finish this uh, with a story. Um, I think I may have told you we, um, during the pandemic, of course, the interest rate had crashed and not crashed. The interest rates were super low. And we had been given the option to refinance our our home, which by the way, we had a, a ridiculous interest rate. I think it was like a two, what was it? It was a uh, I think we were at 2.75 because we bought at the beginning of the pandemic, right? So this is a little personal story. We bought at the the beginning of the pandemic. We got a 2.75 interest rate. And then about six months later, the same company was like, hey, listen, do you guys want to refinance? And I'm like, refinance to what? Zero? I mean, how much lower can you go? He's like, well, we have two options. We can give you a 1.75. And I'm like, wow, that's incredible. Or the worst you could do would be a 2.25. And I said, okay, what's the catch? What's the 1.75? It's like, the only thing you need to do is that you need to have an 800 credit score. Oh. And we said, well, okay. I mean, we we both had very good credit scores and I knew that that my my husband's was high. uh, Car- Carlos's was high. And uh, so he said, yeah, but the, the caveat is that it cannot be 799 or 798. It has uh, to be 800 or above. So if it's not... We're not going to be able to do anything for you. The best we will do is give you a 2.25. And so we looked at each other. We said, "Well, we're saving half a point. I mean, it's not going to cost us anything because they're going to wash everything into the loan anyway." So we, you know, we ran all these, you know, uh, scenarios back and forth. It's like we can't lose. It's, but we're like, we're sure gonna, we're gonna get it. We're gonna get it because it's you're right there. They ran their credit score and came back out of 799. <laughs> wow! <laughs>
2: like, you should no. have. You should have. I wish you would have known Geo. He would have co-signed <laughs> for you guys. Geo would have co-signed 100%. Yeah. No, guy, I'm telling you, Raquel, you see him right there? This guy has an 838. That's right there. crazy. He's just quiet. It's crazy. That's crazy. But no, that's I, crazy that for a nine. 79- <laughs> That's crazy that For a $7.99, they, they and what they didn't give it to you guys? So no, so we ended up just
0: refinancing ah. it at two and a quarter. So 2.25. We still saved a couple hundred bucks, you know. So that yeah. was fine. But you know, they 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 dangled that carrot in front of us for the 1.75, which would have been a whole point. Can you believe a 1.75 on a mortgage?
2: That is and, unheard of. Uh, we missed it
0: by one stinking point.
2: <laughs> uh-huh. Wow. So,
0: so we look at $7.99 now like uh. That's just not enough. That's not good enough.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so 99. we'll work
0: to get into the 800s. Thank you for all of those really fantastic um, bits of information. I mean, th- those those tips and tricks were really great. I know that I'm going to start employing them as early as next week when I start paying next month's bills. Um, and uh, and yeah, I can't wait to have you guys back to talk a little bit more about this. I'm sure there's much more that we didn't cover, but I'm sure we'll do that in the next, uh, next episode. And I uh, thank you guys very much for joining me.
2: Thank you so much. Thank
0: you for having us. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Real Talk. We sure do appreciate it. If you haven't already done so, be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. And if you found value in today's show, we'd appreciate it if you would help others discover this podcast. Until next time.